The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. Well, good morning, church. Uh, like you said, my name is Zach uh, Mason. I uh, pastor uh, a church in Spruce Pine, uh, which maybe some of you guys know, probably not. It's like an hour from here. Um, it's a little tiny town. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I love it, but uh, not a lot of people know about it. But it's great. Spruce Pine. Uh, pastor the Grove Church. And um, before we dive into Jonah, I just want to say a couple things. I, I, I love Missio Day Church, like absolutely. Um, your guys, uh, your, elder, your whole elder team is, is phenomenal. Uh, your pastor, Brian, um, is just, he, he, he's awesome. He uh, found our church and me uh, at a time where I really needed uh, a brotherhood and fraternity and needed some guys to help uh, figure out what on earth uh, it means to be a church planner. Um, and, and so I am so grateful uh, for, for Pastor Brian, uh, for Missio Day for your guys' support through prayers uh, financially over the years. And, and there is a uh, church in Spruce Pine, an hour northeast of here, um, that is worshiping Jesus in large part because of your guys' faithfulness uh, to the gospel and to the kingdom. Uh, so thank you guys. Uh, I love it here. Uh, Bri- Pastor Brian loves you guys. I got to spend a week with him uh, a couple weeks ago, and he just loves you guys. And I know you guys are probably missing him, but he, he's taken a much-needed uh, rest and break, and so I'm happy to be here uh, going through Jonah with y'all, and uh, I have the, uh, the joy to preach through Jonah 3, uh, which is about repentance. So uh, I heard Billy Gloston uh, just keep, you know, just hit it out of the park last week, and it was, it was good, and so today we'll slow down a little bit probably, and it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but the Lord's Word is good, right? And so... Um, I just kind of want to, I like to spoil my sermons at the very beginning. I don't want you guys wondering where we're going or where we're heading. So um, I feel like, I, oh, there's a timer. Okay. <laughs> I just press it twice. I don't know. I don't know. Um, my church was just like, you, they're like, you just go as long as you want. And not really. They're like, please end soon. <laughs> um, but, but we went to, one time we had um, a couple at a hospital in, in Charlotte, and uh, they were giving birth to a son who's going to have some heart, heart issues. And so we went, we went down to Charlotte, uh, I forget what the name of the hospital is, the Children's Hospital in Charlotte, and uh, we, we, were, we were trying to leave, and we had no idea where, how to get out of the hospital. Like, just no, I just like, we took an, like, an elevator opened, and we're like, can we go in here? There was people in there, and they're like, sure. So we get in, and we're like, we want to go to the first, we want to go to, the, I guess, the ground level, and they're like, we press this, so I press the button, and uh, it, they get off, like, a, like, floor, like, two, and then we keep going down. And as soon as the doors open, I realized we're on the wrong elevator. Like, everything was stainless steel. Uh, the lights were flickering. We're, like, in a basement somewhere. Like, we're, we're not in the elevator um, guests or visitors are supposed to use at all. Um, and so I, like, get out, and there's, like, this, this, this dude sweeping, and he's just, like, stares up at me, and the lights are flickering, and, and there's, like, piles of, like, stuff on the ground. I was like, oh, man, hey, how do we get out of here? That's why I was like, hey, man, how do we get out of here? He's like, you, go, you got to go back up to floor three. So I go back up to floor three, which is not where I want to be, actually. Like, I want to get out of the hospital. So, um, so we get up to floor three, and we're in, like, the doctor, like the, the, the doctor elevator. 
and, and so I get out of floor three, and my wife's with me, and there's this guy with a, um, like a lab coat thing on, and uh, so I was like, hey, man, how do we get out of here? And he was like, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, I know. I'm like fully aware. Like, that's why I asked how do we get out of here, man. I don't know if you heard that part of the question. And he's like, and he's like, where, he's just like, where do you want to go? And I was like, we want to go outside. We want to be out of this building. I'm very uncomfortable with like, what I've seen so far. Um, and, and so he's like, go through that door. So we start going through the door and, and immediately uh, realized um, he sent us to like a roof access door. And which technically I said I wanted to go outside. And so he wasn't wrong. But like, I'm glad we stopped the door before it closed because I'm not sure we could have got back in. We'd have been stuck on the roof of this children's hospital. By the time we finally make, we go through like, like the employee break room in like their, their cafeteria, finally make it out. We're in a different hospital. Like literally, we've gone underground uh, across, underneath the road and we're in like the non-children's hospital hospital. I don't know how we got there. Uh, but I do know a couple things that went wrong. Uh, one, we had no idea where we were going. And, and I think the, the most important thing is I couldn't even describe where I wanted to go because I was just so frustrated, so upset. I just couldn't even describe it. I just, I just want to get outside. And the guy's like, well, this is the closest door to outside. This must be what you mean. Uh, and, so, and so one of the things I think is helpful um, in the Christian life, and specifically when you think about repentance and mission, um, and, and, and what God has called us to is, is to kind of know where we're going. Uh, we we want to know wh- where the end is. And if we don't know where we're trying to go, we can't even describe it, we can't even think about where we want to go, when, when something gets in our way, we're just going to give up because we have no uh, view of, of where things are, of where we're trying to get to. Like if I asked you today, like in this room, it's just like, hey, I want you to, to walk to that corner in a straight line. And if you started just like in a straight line walking that corner and I put a chair in front of you, you would, you would probably, hopefully, listen to the like, straight line so you'd climb over the chair and keep going to that corner. But if I just told you, hey, I want you to walk in a straight line somewhere in this room, and you're like, where? It's like, I don't care. Just somewhere in this room. Just make sure you walk in a straight line. And you start walking. I put a chair in front of you. You'd probably stop. Like, I don't know. I can't keep walking in a straight line. I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. But there's an obstacle in my way. And so I can't keep going and, and being obedient to the way you've told me to go because I don't, there's this thing in my way. And so what happens in the Christian life is, is we're, 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 a lot of times we're just told this is what we need to do, just keep walking forward. Um, and with no view of the end in sight, when obstacles get in our way, when things are tough, we, we really don't move forward that much. We kind of just stop and give up. And so as we read through this, I'm going to read it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about repentance. We'll talk about mission. And, and my hope is that we will... Uh, paint some sort of picture uh, that would be helpful uh, to help us have a desire to repent. We'll talk about what that means and have a desire uh, to be on mission with the Lord. So we'll pick it up in Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, 
And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And this is the word of the Lord for us. So, so when we think about this, just to recap, you guys have been going through Jonah, I hope, um, and uh, otherwise this is going to be real weird. Uh, but if, you, if you've missed it, uh, Jonah's this prophet, and Jonah's been, been called to go to Nineveh to preach a message of repentance. Um, God is angry at your sin, which is true for all of us. Um, God is the creator of the universe. He has created all things. He has created you. He's made man from, from dirt. And, and when we uh, shake our fist at God or when God tells us this is how life is meant to be and we say no to the creator of all things, he, it's okay for him to be angry. We've committed treason, and, and all cultures uh, see treason as a, as a capital offense, right? And so, so we see this idea that, that, that these people have turned from God. They are very violent. They have killed uh, Israelites, Jonah's people. They killed, they're violently killed their neighbors. And, and God has said, go to this great city. Um, and, and, and Jonah doesn't want to go there at all. So Jonah flees uh, to, to a port town. He try, he's trying to go like the opposite end of the world from, uh, from Nineveh. And, and one of the things, this is just free. I don't know if, if you guys covered this. probably did. But one of the things I loved about this passage uh, uh, in, in chapter 1 is Jonah goes down to the shipping yard, and, and there happens to be a ship going exactly where he wants to go, right? And so God opened a door, and so he just went through it, right? Isn't that, what, isn't that how we live our life so many times? It's like, God opened this door, so I went through it. And it's like, well, sometimes doors are open not by God. Sometimes you force them open. You're just like, this door's open. I'm going to go through it, Right? But Jonah, he's like, I want to go to Tarshish. And it's like, cool, there's a ship going. Must be the Lord. It's not the Lord. Okay, it's not the Lord. Not every open door is the Lord. Uh, so don't live your life like that. You'll end up uh, fleeing from him at times. But here's the good news, right? God didn't just let Jonah flee from him. He chased Jonah down with a storm. And that storm is not God's anger towards Jonah. It's his grace towards Jonah. Where Jonah was going would surely bring him destruction. He was running from the all-loving creator, God of the universe. And so God, in his grace, stopped Jonah from running. He got thrown into the water. A fish swallowed him for three days. He prayed. He basically says, right, it's by grace and grace alone will you save me. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So Jonah's run from God. God has sovereignly and gracefully, mercifully intervened and saved Jonah from himself and brought him to the place in which he asked him to go. Anyway, so Jonah goes, and, and he, is, he goes to Nineveh, and, and Nineveh is this great city. And 
uh, if, if, I mean, like, just as a reminder, if you've been through it, but um, it's 60 miles in circumference. Um, it has 100-foot walls all the way around it. The walls were very wide. You could fit three chariots uh, side by side on the walls and just, like, race around the thing. Um, the, the towers on the wall were another 100 feet taller than the walls, so 200-foot towers. Like, this is a crazy city. Um, maybe 60 miles of circumference doesn't amaze you, but up in Spruce Pine, we're like, whew, that's huge. That's like the biggest thing we've ever seen in our lives, right? And, uh, and so that, this, is, this is Nineveh. Um, some scholars estimate it took over a million people to build this city. And so it's this huge town, and they're incredibly violent, not just towards Israel, but to all their neighbors. So Jonah goes in, and he starts telling them, in 40 days... Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then it reaches the king, and the king gives this decree. And, and, and the reality is what happens here is they repent. They turn from their violence, it says, from their evil way, and from the violence that is in their hands. And that's in verse 8. So they turn from these things, and so they repent. And, and, and this is God's grace to them, is, is by preaching a message of repentance. Like there is this destruction coming, but if you turn from your ways, um, that you, may, maybe God will relent. And so, so to, to really understand this, we've got to talk about what repentance means, what it means to turn from your evil ways, what it means to turn from the violence that is in your hands. Um, and I think when we think about repentance, we, there's a couple ways to think about it uh, wrongly, and uh, we don't want to think about things wrongly. And so, so repentance um, is not like a one-time thing you do, okay? It's not like you repent at the beginning of your Christian life and like, I repented, let's go do other things now. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is not merely a turning away from evil either. I think, I think that's often, at least in our, in, in our culture up on the mountain, what we, what we talk about um, often is, is that, you know, repent from your sins, repent from your sins, repent from your sins. And that's good. This is what Nineveh did. Nineveh did. They, they turned from their sins. They, they turned from their evil ways. They turned from their violence that was in their hands. But repentance is not just a turning away from. It's a turning towards something better. Right? Repentance is not just turning away from evil. It's turning towards Jesus. And we have to have that picture in our mind because otherwise we will often fall into the belief that when we turn from the things that God's telling us to turn from, our sin, that we're turning towards something that's not as good. Like, like there's this subtle belief in Christianity when God calls his people to, to live life a certain way, to, um, to, to do relationships a certain way, to do marriage a certain way, to do parenting a certain way. There's this subtle belief that if I, if I do the things that the Lord's called me to do, like, like men, husbands, if you lay your life down for your wife, like Paul tells us to in Ephesians, if you, if you die so that your wife might flourish, there's this subtle belief that my life's going to be miserable, but this is what God has called me to, so I'm gonna, I guess I have to do it. So we need to see that repentance is not merely turning from being selfish, but it's turning towards a life of joy, a life with Christ. And that's why we need a, a, good, a good vision of what's coming for us. Right, right. So, so, so if we go back to, to chapter 2, verse 10, we see that Jonah's vomited out of the fish. 
Like, this is Jonah's resurrection moment. Right, because in Matthew 12, Jesus says that, that the story of Jonah is, is about me. Like, Jonah went in the fish for three days, the, the belly of the fish. I'm going to go in the belly of the earth for three days, and I will be resurrected. And so Jonah goes in the belly of the fish for three days, and, and he's resurrected. He, he, he comes out. And so all of this repentance, all of this turning away comes out of this, this dying and being resurrected. And so, so what we believe as Christians, it's kind of crazy, right? We believe there was this guy who was also God, and he lived this perfect life. And then, and then people didn't like that, so they, they tried to kill him. And, and he died, and he was buried in the ground, and then three days later, he came back to life. Like, that's a pretty fantastic tale. But if, if we believe that's true, and, and, and Christian, we should, there's so much evidence, even beyond Scripture, so much historical evidence that the resurrection is real. If we believe that's true, then we, we also believe that we, too, have a resurrection coming for us. That, there, that this life that we have today is not all there is. Because Paul would tell the church in Corinth that if this life is all there is, if the resurrection's not real, then we should be pitied above all men because we're wasting our life. But the resurrection is real. And what comes after death is real. And I want to talk about the kingdom because the kingdom is real and living life in the kingdom of God forever is real. So when Jesus came, if you read in, in, in Mark's gospel, when Jesus came, uh, one of the first things Mark, uh, Jesus says in Mark's gospel, it marks, it's Mark chapter 1, verse 10. Um, he says, um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't, hadn't been buried, hasn't resurrected. So, so then the question is, what, what is the gospel? What was the gospel? What was the good news? Because gospel means good news. So what was the good news Jesus was saying to believe? Repent and believe. What was the good news? It was that the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look, I don't know everything there is to know about the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have to ask Pastor Brian when he gets back, Okay. But here's what I do know. I, I, I know that Scripture tells us some things. And, and one of the things that Scripture tells us um, is it tells us that we will be ruling and reigning with Christ in the kingdom. Like, like us, the Christians in this room today, you may be like a teacher, um, a stay-at-home parent, uh, an entrepreneur, um, an office worker, sanita sanitation engineer, like whatever you do. You're Christian. In the kingdom to come, you're royalty. Like you're ruling and reigning with Christ forever. I don't know what that looks like. Ask Pastor Brian. I'm sure he'd love to talk about it. But like, that sounds awesome, right? Like ruling and reigning with Jesus. Like Jesus' inheritance becomes our inheritance. And you know what he's inheriting? The world. Like all things. And we get to share in that inheritance in the kingdom to come 
And, and so here's why I think it's so important to have a good eschatological view of what's coming, a good end times view, a good vision view of what's coming. Because when, when God tells you to repent and believe the good news, when, and that good news is the kingdom, when, when, when we hear uh, in chapter 3 here that people are turning from their evil ways, if we're going to turn from our evil ways, if we're going to turn from our, our sins, we have to see that we're turning towards something better. Like, if you believe the kingdom's coming and you're ruling with Jesus forever, the stuff on this earth, like, are you kidding? Someone's like, hey, like, I, I think we should, we, we should do this, we should do that. So, so um, let, let me just say this. It's been a, it's been a rough week for, for me and my wife. Um, we've had a close friend uh, decide that they don't want to follow Jesus anymore. We've had a, a close friend decide that um, the desires of this world seem a lot better than what's coming, than the kingdom that's coming. And, oh, it's heartbreaking. Like, as pastors, one, one of the, the great honors and heartbreaks we have is to, is to watch people choose destruction over life. And we can plead, beg, pray fast. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to go to sleep knowing that God's sovereign. Uh, and, and maybe this destruction they're choosing is the very thing that will end them up in the belly of a fish and bring them to where God wants them to be. But the conversations I'm having with this friend is, is like, I just don't know if this kingdom thing is real. And like, I've got this right now. I've got this relationship with this other man right now. And I think it's, I love it. It's great. But, but if we could have a view of what's coming, a view of us ruling and reigning with Christ and what is awaiting for us in glory, the, the things of this earth, the relationships on this earth, the, the temptations at work, the temptation to, um, to abdicate parenting and just kind of watch TV and, or let TV parent your children, the, the temptation to, uh, to leave your spouse because marriage is just tough. Like those temptations, if you have a good view of what's coming, you're like, I don't, are you serious? Like I could pour my life out for 40 years because I've got eternity ruling and reigning with Christ. That's, that's the kind of view we've got to have if we're going to be like Nineveh and we're going to turn from our evil ways. And you may be like, I don't really know if I have evil ways. I'm doing pretty good. Well, oh, man, let me, let's, you guys, if you want to go there, we can, I mean, like, the stuff that the Lord calls us to is, 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 is impossible. Like, we're all, and, and that's one of the reasons why repentance can, you cannot see repentance as a singular event. Like, if you're a Christian, you're repenting all the time, every day, multiple times a day, multiple times a minute, if you're like me. You just have to, because you're constantly thinking stuff that's dumb. You're constantly doing stuff that's sinful. I mean, like, repentance is an everyday, every hour thing. And it's not, it's like, we've got it, we have to normalize repentance in our, in our cultures. I think, because one of the fears that this person has who, who's walked away from Jesus is if I come back, it's going to be so shameful and embarrassing. I don't, I don't know if I can come back. We've got to normalize sinning and repentance, confession and repentance. 
It's got to be something normal. It can't be this thing that people do when they really mess up. It's got to be something we do for every sin. That may seem overwhelming, but if you knew who God is and how he welcomes you with open arms, that he will chase you down with storms to protect you from yourself, you would turn to him. You'd turn to him in a, in a, in a heartbeat, in an instant. And you would keep turning to him over and over and over again because you know he loves you and he's trying to save you from destruction. And we, we, we choose destruction because we don't believe what's coming is greater than what's here in front of us now. And what's coming is greater. It's so much greater. Jesus is so much better than the, than the flirtations at work. Jesus is so much better than um, than, than trying to find joy outside of your, your marriage. Jesus is so much better than trying to be greedy and save up all you can to have as much money as you can for security. Like, Jesus is better than all the sins, all the temptations of this world. And you can give it all up if you know what's coming. And so Jonah goes through the city and saying, in 40 days, destruction's coming, and the people believe God. They called for a fast, but on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. And the king hears this, and he goes like, he's really, like, the cows aren't going to eat. The cows aren't going to drink. Like, no one's, no, I don't, it's, everyone's stopping. Like, we're all hurting because we have sinned so greatly that that everyone's going to stop. Everyone's going to mourn over our sin. And so they turn. And when God, verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. So, you know, I'm going to trust God's sovereignty that all this stuff happened this week, and we're in Jonah 3, um, and, and, that, and that maybe there's just some people here who need to hear that um, it, it's okay to turn from your sin. Like, Jesus will receive you. Jesus will receive you. Um, I know, Miss Yude, I'm, I'm, I'm positive your church will receive you. Like, I don't know what is going on in your life, what, what is happening in your life, um, but whatever it is, whatever, if you have some sort of um, secret sin or some sort of sin, like all, like you guys know sin is trying to kill you, right? Like it's like, it's not like you can't have um, like pet sins, right? Like remember last year when everyone was watching Tiger King and we're all like, you probably shouldn't have a tiger like as a pet. Um, sin's the same way. Right? The Bible describes sin as a roaring lion trying to devour you. Um, if anyone has a pet lion, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have a pet lion. <laughs> you just shouldn't have it. Like, there's no reason you can convince me to be like, well, we have this room that it stays in, and it's fine. The kids, they've known each other since birth, so he's fine with the kids. No, you shouldn't. There's no. And so to, to, to like have a sin in your life where you're like, it's not that bad. I know I shouldn't watch this or... Or, or be around this, or I know, I know that drinking's fine, but I know I shouldn't drink, but I'm just going to drink a little bit, and, 
and, and I, I'm on a, I'm, I only get drunk a few times a week. It's just like this thing I do to unwind, or I, I need this in my life, or man, it just feels good when that person flirts with me at work. I'm not going to, I can't stop it because it just feels good. I wish someone would talk to me like that at home. Or whatever it is, like, oh man, I just, I need this money. I need to get to that next tax bracket to feel secure, to feel safe, to have the lifestyle we want. Whatever it is, I don't know, like, I don't, whatever you guys are going through, you can confess that and repent from it. And and then that leads me to this idea that there's probably some, like, if the Lord's doing, doing something in someone's heart today where they need to confess and repent, that probably means there's someone in this body who's going to hear a confession. Um, and man, that could be really hard. When someone you love, when someone you care about comes to you and says, hey, um, I've been doing this thing and I want to stop doing this thing, but I need to tell you. And you might feel betrayed. You might feel frustrated um, and angry. But my, my prayer would be that you would give that person the same grace that you claim God has given you. You would just give them the same amount of grace that you claim God has gifted you with. And turn from that sin. Confess and repent should be normal every day. You can, you can confess your sin to your spouse, to your, to your church, you can, like you, one of the things I've learned being a parent, you can confess your sin, not all sins, obviously, but some sins to your, uh, to your children. Like when I, when I like snap at my kids, um, one of the best things you can do as a parent is confess that to your kids. Like they already know, by the way, they're not like unaware that you yelled at them, uh, but confess it and, and, and seek and repent and seek forgiveness. I was like afraid that if I seek forgiveness from my kids, they'll, they'll like, like sharks, they'll smell blood in the water and they're like, well, Dad's weak. We're gonna get out. We're gonna get after this. He's, he's asking for forgiveness, you know. But man, like, just like think about what that kind of pattern in your home could be like, where, where your kids see mom and dad confessing and repenting. Think about what the community would be like. Like, because here's what's gonna happen. If you really take this seriously, and you 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 go into a lifestyle of confession and repentance the Lord may, um, may be call, is calling you to. Uh, it means you're going to confess things and repent from things and seek forgiveness for things uh, from people in this world who think it's really weird you're doing this. They're like, uh, I don't know why you're telling me right now. That's, everyone does that at work. Like Everyone does that. And, and like, think about the uh, message that could send to your workplace, to the community, where, where you're just like, man, I shouldn't have done this. Um, would you forgive me? And people are like, yeah, it's okay. Like, you know what? I, know, I really appreciate you saying it's okay. It's not okay. And I really just want you to know I'm sorry. I'm broken over. Like, I shouldn't have done this. That's one of the things we try and teach our kids too is like, don't say it's okay. Uh, we want, we, like, when, when someone says like, hey, I, um, what happens is like, uh, our kid is, uh, is this gonna, is this too much? Our kids like physically fight each other. Is that wrong? Like, I know it's wrong, but like, <laughs> are we alone in that? Okay. Um, and so we're like breaking it up and we're like, you need to apologize and seek forgiveness. And like one of our kids is like, hey, sissy, will you forgive me? And she's like, it's okay. And we're like, hold on, no, it's not okay. 
You can't, it's not okay to get punched, girl. Like, you got, like, you got to say, I forgive you, right? And so, like, trying to work that into our language so we can normalize confession, repentance, forgiveness. So, God has sent Jonah to Nineveh. God has sent Jesus to us to show us that we cannot fix ourselves, that um, we, cannot, we can't fix ourselves. Um, shame is not just going to wear off. I think that's our favorite thing to do. I don't know if we talk about this enough, but I think oftentimes what we try and do with shame is we just like, I think it'll wear off at some point and then I can come back. See, what happens is when people uh, get caught in sin or find themselves in sin or do sin, they will retreat from Christian community until they feel like the shame is worn off, and then they'll return, or they'll just never return at all. Uh, but but I, th- I think the point that Jesus came to, to bear our shame on the cross I means shame's just not going to wear off. You've got, you can't fix yourself. Shame's not going to wear off over time. Like, God has come to rescue you from your destruction, from your sin, from your shame, from the heaviness of your sin, from the burden of your sin. He's come to rescue you from that. And so, so, so Jesus died on the cross to save you from this destruction. He was buried in the ground three days, like Jonah was buried in the well, or the fish for three days. Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to. And so that when you do physically die, you would also have the promise of the resurrection and the promise of the kingdom to hold on to. So Jesus has come and made a way for us into this kingdom, and we need to be people who normalize confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And then we need to be people like Jonah eventually became, at least in chapter 3, I don't want to spoil next week for you guys, but at least in chapter 3 where Jonah um, does what God has called him to do. God has placed you guys in Asheville. And Asheville needs Jesus. I'm not, that's not like a derogatory thing. Like I'd say that about any city we were in, okay? So it's not like Spruce Pines got together. Asheville needs Jesus. That's not, that's not what we're saying. Spruce Pine needs a whole lot of Jesus. Um, but Asheville needs Jesus, and God has placed Missio Dei Church and a whole host of other churches here to bring this message that there is that, that there's a gift of repentance, a gift of faith, um, and, and Christ has made a way so that you can enter the kingdom and rule and reign with Christ forever. Like that is the, the message of the gospel of the kingdom is what we need. Like think about, um, maybe Brian will invite me back, but hold on. Let me just say this. Think about the last year, the last 18 months, and how divided people have been don't we just crave unity? Like, I just wish we could all see things the, the right way, whatever that way is, the correct way, and, and, and just, like, all agree. You know, like, the kingdom's going to be like that? Like, there's not going to be people fighting in the kingdom being like, I think we should go left, Jesus. Jesus like that. No. Everyone's following Christ the way they're meant to be, which is probably none of the ways we think, by the way. Like, we're all wrong somewhere. And so think about, like, all the things we want to change in this world. Like, we want sex trafficking to be done. We want 
racism to be done. We want all these things to be done. Do you know who wants those things to be gone more than us? Jesus. And so, so the message our world is actually desperately wanting right now, without knowing they want it, is, is the gospel, the message, the good news of God's kingdom, that one day all of these things will end. All sad things will become untrue. Every tear will be wiped away. Pain will be gone. Death will be no more. All the things our world wants, we're actually offering. Now, they may not like the path in because it's through Christ, but are we even talking about the path in? Or are we just getting mad at people? We're getting frustrated, getting tired. So, so let us be people who repent, confess, repent, and forgive, and let us be people who bring the gospel to our cities, who bring the good news of Christ to our cities. I want to share, I know it sounds like two messages, but I couldn't, could not do both of these. I want to share just a couple brief ways I think could be helpful, um, and then we will uh, we'll close in prayer and communion response. Um, like, there, there, you've, we've got to bring the gospel to your town. Like, you've got to talk about Jesus to people. Like, this is what God called uh, Jonah to do, and he's like, I don't want to do it to those people. I don't like those people. And God chased him down, brought him back to Nineveh anyway. And so God is calling you to bring the gospel to where you are. Like, Acts 17 is very clear. God has placed you where you live so that no one would be far from him. So wherever you live, you're there because God placed you there. You might be like, oh, I packed up and moved there. God's like, yeah, I was, I was doing that. Like, that was me doing that through you. You're here because I want you to be here. Wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you do everything, God has placed you there so that no one would be far from him. And so God is calling you, Missio Day Church, calling us in, in Spruce Pine, uh, to bring the gospel to our cities and towns. But that's, like, how do you, where do you, like, you can't just walk through the town yelling repentance like Jonah did, can I? Probably not. People have tried that. Um, we have them like our street corners with signs and stuff. It's wild. But um, here's a couple ways I found, I found helpful that I hope would just be helpful for you guys. And then, and then we'll close. Um, I think it's great. Maybe you guys are just crushing this. If you are, let us know in Spruce Pine how to do that. But um, being a, a regular somewhere and meeting people. Um, like, a, like, like, like serve, servers at like a coffee shop or a barista, uh, as you guys fancy coffee shops call them. Um, we've got like a couple fancy coffee shops now. We used to not have any. We used to have McDonald's. And that was like, if the older people like the coffee, it must be good. So let's go to McDonald's, you know. Um, and, but we got them now. So like baristas or servers or wherever, just be a regular somewhere. Get to know their name. One of the ways that I think is really helpful to start start get, talking about Jesus is, is one of the things I like to do, uh, and, it, and it's going to take some courage, but it's honestly not that hard, is say, hey, Doug, my barista, uh, how, I'm, I'm going to be praying this afternoon. How can I pray for you this afternoon? Is there anything I'd be praying for you about? Um, I've only one time, and I've done this a lot, only one time if someone say no, there's nothing you can pray for me for. Um, and it was awkward, I'll be honest with you. I was, like, I'm sh I was like, I was like, what I want to say is like, I'm sure there's something. Your life can't be that great, right? Um, but I didn't, so I was just like, okay, well, I'll just pray for you generally. But like, so, so Doug's like, man, I don't have a car and I'm having a hard time getting to work and stuff. 
Um, and so we started praying for the Doug would get a car. And, and I'm not good at remembering everything. Um, so I wrote down in my notes on my phone, Doug praying for car. I actually prayed for him too. I'm not, we don't fake that part, right? But then I go, in, I go into DTs the next week and I look at my phone and I'm like, all right, Doug praying for a car. Go up there. Hey, Doug, man, I've been praying for your car, man. You find a car yet? He's like, no, I still haven't found one. I'm still praying, brother. If I see anything, also, I'll let you know. And, you know, so you just bring it back up. And you get to talk to him about Jesus and, and, and bring it up. And, and it's just a really simple way to, to show this person, like, hey, man, I love you. I care about you. And it leads to these, these spiritual conversations. There's a cute phrase people like, right? I'm sure maybe you guys know it. Um, Preach the gospel always, some necessary use words. That's real cute. It's just so wrong. Um, no one's going to, to, to repent and give their life to Christ because you tipped well. Like, it's just, like, not going to be a thing. Like, you're like, I left 30%. And they're like, praise Jesus. Where do I go to church? You know, like, that's not, like, you're going to, like, like, the gospel's going to have to come out of your mouth at some point. Uh, and I think the easiest way to do that um, is to learn how to share your story, how Christ has saved you, in like three to five minutes, because no one's going to listen to your 45-minute monologue, right? So like, like the highlights, how, how Christ has saved you and how he has redeemed you, how, how you're continually to confess and repent and learn how to share that in five minutes, three minutes, and be ready to share that with people, like people, what's going on in your life with people. Because as you ask people, how can I pray for you? How are you doing? People are going to ask you, you can ask questions to hear their story and look for opportunities to share your story. Um, but but this, is, this is really, I think, simpler than we've made it out to be. But it's also going to take more courage than you think. And, and here's the good news that I love. Um, Jesus is going to be with you as you go. He has sent his spirit to be with you as you take this message to Asheville and beyond. And he will be with you as you go. When, when Paul was, was standing before um, the council and, and, and going to be uh, condemned, um, he says the Lord himself stood by him and strengthened him. And, and um, we, were, we were in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and, and someone was preaching on that. And he just, like, painted this picture for us that I loved. Like, just Paul is speaking before um, the king and about ready to basically, like, yeah, I'm preaching about Jesus. I'm going to die. You're going to kill me. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, but he's scared. He's like, still has stuff he wants to do. And, and the Lord shows up next to him and just like squeezes around the shoulder and be like, Paul, I got you. You can, you just preach Jesus. You preach me and I got you. And so as you go out and as you listen to the call of God and, 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 and bring the gospel to your town, to your neighborhoods, to your workplace, um, Jesus is going to be with you. And so you can absolutely do this. But I want to plead with you to be the kind of people who repent, who confess, who repent, and who believe, and then bring that message to the world that you can come to Christ because he has come to you, and he has died for you, and he has given you, he, he has, he's offering you new life through him. Let's pray. Father, I... Thank you so much for your word. I thank you for, um, I thank you for your relentless grace towards us. 
I thank you that you have um, chased us Christians in this room. You have pursued us. Uh, we're not worthy of that, Lord, but you have, you have just pursued us and chased us down and saved us from our own destruction. Lord, I pray that you would uh, create in us the kind of people who would um, confess, repent, seek forgiveness, and believe. I pray that you would create in us the kind of people who would bring that message of hope, that no matter how dark your life is, how dark your sin is, there is one who can forgive you and cleanse you and take your shame away. We'd bring that message of hope to the people around us, to the world around us. Father, we love you. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.